Hello, I'm Chandler Klebs, and welcome to the Impersonal Opinion Podcast. What you're about to listen to is a pre-recorded conversation that was actually done through a Google Hangout between Pafo Ortiz and I. And I'm releasing the audio on the Internet Archive so that people who just want the audio can download and listen to it. But those who want to see the video version and see Poffo and, and my face, they can, they can watch that on YouTube because you can see us both as we're talking, learning how that all works. So hope you enjoy the audio or video, whichever form you happen to listen to this in. Thank you for listening, and I'll start the conversation now. Hey, people. Um, this is Chandler Klebs. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with Poffo Ortiz. Um, and... We're, we're going to be talking about some ideas that we had. See, Poffo and his friend Peter Morardi. Is that how his name is said? I think it's Moriarty. Mor Peter Moriarty, who has also joined us recently for our Free Will Science and Religion podcast. Um, Poffo and Peter are great friends who are both pantheists, and they have been talking pantheism and biopantheism, biosophy, whatever, like all these different terms. And they agree on much, but have slight disagreements in their um, their worldviews and how they want to go about making a better world. And so we don't have Peter with us right at this moment. He's busy right now. But Poffo and I are doing this um, this this hangout, which should be recorded on my YouTube channel, just to let people know what we're planning. And so it's sort of like informal right now. And I wanted to mention personally that I listened to the recording between Trick Slattery and Poffo. Um, they did. And they're coming at it from different worldviews, you know. Um, it was like a three-hour talk. And <laughs> four hours. Four hours. Yeah. 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 It was three hours long, and it was very insightful because um, there was a lot of disagreement. And yet I feel like the fundamental agreement between Trick Trick and Poffo is pretty much the same thing. They both want to reduce suffering to sentient creatures, but we just disagree on how to go about it. You know, our uh, you know our world our world views are entirely different. I mean, he's essentially like a um, an existential nihilist, and I am a, a pantheist. So, you know, he he views nature as harsh and horrible and cruel and like the source of all suffering, and and it is. But I, I just feel like he has um, he's he's far too preoccupied with the negative aspects, and it's really ironic for me to say that because I mean I I'm considered a pessimist by most people, and um, like that's that's normally my view is to uh, just look at the negative and and be overwhelmed by it. But um, I think he I think he genuinely cares about humanity and he cares about um, sentient life and. You know, Trick and Peter and myself, we all have the same uh, the same agenda, the same goals in mind. Um, but our worldviews are, are vastly different. Um, and even me and even Peter and I, uh, Peter uh, I would say is much more mystical, and he comes at it from a completely different tradition where he um, uh, he wants to embrace and um, acknowledge sort of the the universal truths within all religions, and and he sees. Um, he puts much more stock in like the subjective experience, whereas I put much more. Um, I have much more confidence, and I, my focus and my, um, you know, uh, my emphasis is on science and on biology and on like the real world and like what is um, what is tangible 
like the physical existence. Um, but that doesn't discount, and from my point of view, that doesn't discount the the numinous and the mystical experience and the transcendent experience. I don't believe in a transcendent realm, but I absolutely believe that humans can have a transcendent experience. And um, so well, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of subtle differences, a lot of a lot of uh, sort of nuanced. Uh, aspects to this and, and he and I have a, like a long history together because we were originally working together I was trying to help promote his philosophy um, biotheism uh, organismic philosophy and biotheism um, is what he calls it and his Facebook page is, is called biosophy anyway I, we were working together and um, I was originally trying to help promote and just I, I created the page as like a platform um, for him to espouse his ideas and stuff and then just because of personality differences and and you know he's very very committed to his work and it's almost like that's his baby so anyone else um he doesn't want anyone else misrepresenting it and so there's so there's a lot of conflicts and stuff and we kind of parted ways um we're, we're still friends and we still i still re admire and respect him immensely um he's one of the smartest guys i've ever met and uh absolutely agree with you know, with what he's trying to create, and he was a huge inspiration for what, um, what motivated me to create uh, Biopan. Um, but again, we we uh, we have our differences, you know. So I think it would be interesting um, for us to have like a friendly debate, and so that sort of highlight the differences in our in our personalities and our character, um, showing like our individual takes on it and the, the directions we come at it. As far as trick goes. Trick is like my Michael Shermer. I just said this to him in, in, the, uh, in the group that he represents the staunch materialist atheist who kind of will keep keep me grounded and, and no matter what, he's not going to lie to me and he's going to like, you know, he cares about the truth and I, I feel the exact same way. Like I care more about what's true than what makes me feel good. I care more about, you know, um, the, the reality that's all around us than, you know, inventing or uh, you know, be, you know, getting caught up in some self-delusion of uh, this personification of nature, which is what most um, atheists would accuse us of: is personifying nature and, and focusing on the warm, fluffy stuff, and not not um, paying enough attention to the horror and the atrocity and the and the violence and the cruelty that exists, even apart from human interaction intervention, but, um, just what goes on in nature every day. And so that's a lot of what. Um, our conversation was with me and Trick, and we—I think we covered a lot of ground, and, and thought it was really productive. I would recommend that to anyone who um, has the patience to actually uh, listen to us. But I was saying it was almost four hours; it was, it was more than three. We were going at it for a long time. Oh yeah, so, yeah. And there's a few things I wanted to say about that. You know, it's amazing how the people who have disagreements are often the people who are agreed on something already. Like they have disagreements about their agreement, which is funny. It's extremely funny because, as you know, my main life's work, my, my probably my biggest life's work is debunking the myth of free will. And there's a reason for that. And all the co-hosts, you know, George and Trick and Jamie, WSD and all these people, they – we all agree that free will is totally an illusion. The idea that our choices are somehow chosen by us rather than determined by prior causes. 
or a causal events for those who believe in it. Like Trick tends to think a causal events might be a possibility, where George and I are like, what? <laughs> you know, but that doesn't matter as far as free will is concerned. And I know that you stated before we started this hangout, like, you know, you don't think that alone is enough. And I agree. I agree that just explaining that we don't have free will is not enough to change the world for that much. Although I do believe it's a required and necessary step. And you may disagree with that, but here's my no, reason. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, I think I just think it has to do with the approach that that you can't um, come out and overtly state that people don't have free will because most people don't even have the correct definition of free will. Most people define free will as the ability to make choices or um, the fact that they have a will, uh, just a will. And we all have a will. We all have our convictions, our desires. We all uh, are, are motivated to do certain things. Um, I, what my point is is that the mm, – the abolition of the free will myth, what I'm trying to say is on on a grand scale, on, on in terms of the, on the populace, I feel like it's really irrelevant. It's not the it's not the levels that people are functioning on. Where people I said this in the very first podcast with you guys. I said that people aren't functioning on a logical, rational, philosophical level. If if we all were, then of course we'd say, Oh, that makes sense, that makes sense. That's not how people function. So you really have to appeal to their their cultural conditioning, their their emotions, their their more primitive aspects, and that's not to say you know cater to anybody or or, um, or couch the truth, but um, it, it, what I'm trying to say is t pick ten people and explain you know what you guys talk about to them, and in an everyday you know in an everyday sense like like in terms of what's applicable to their life. It really wouldn't even have that much of a difference. It would. It, it would. It only really affects those who are, who are already philosophically minded, who are already intellectuals. You understand. So my take is, teach that we don't have free will, but just say it in different words. You know, say, say um, everything is is, uh, is is causational. Everything um, can be traced back, um, and and almost an endless. Um, stream of events, a chain of events going all the way back to the Big Bang and say that we are a product of our environment and we are a product of our experiences and, and that when a person does something, it's a whole combination, it's a whole plethora of things that have influenced them to do that individual particular thing. So when you, when you want to um, dispel free, free will to, uh, to eliminate blame and the idea of punishment and things like that, um, you can say that person is responsible but there's a reason why they did what they did. They, you know, are a product of their environment. They're a product of their upbringing. Um, they have numerous social um, uh, fa fallacies that are in their minds, and all these belief systems. And 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 people are, are under extreme pressure. You have this idea, like what Jamie would talk about, is um, um, uh, structural violence, as the Venus Project and Peter Joseph talks about. Structural violence is the, almost the cause of all the corruption and. and crime and, and evil in the world at this point. So it's explaining sort of the real, um, the, the root causes. It's getting to the root causes of things. And so I would approach it in that way. Instead of talking about free will, free will, free will, I would say we have to understand the root causes behind why people do things. You know, we have to rehabilitate, not punish. We have to try to prevent behavior, not just uh, attack the symptoms, things yeah. like that. So, so yeah. I, I, agree, I agree with you guys. I just think, I think I'm just, much I'm always my, I'm always very um 
I'm always very cognizant of, of how things sound to the masses, of how people will take things on a surface level. And that's it's very important in, in my movement. And, and with this, I, I, I want to always stop you guys and be like, guys, we're just a bunch of nerds talking philosophy. Nobody really gets <laughs> Well, we got to get to the root causes. We got to like attack the actual problems, and and that's where I feel Biopan would come in because I'm doing the same work that you're trying to do. Um, I, I'm just using different language, and I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Just yeah. interrupt me if, if I if I'm bad. Yeah, yeah. I just I have a few things to say about that. First of all, you're 100% right. Most people are not on a rational, logical level. They're not like us nerds. Because me and you and Peter and the other guys who do the, the all these podcasts I'm part of, almost all of them are are nerds. Like they're extremely logical to the yeah. to the very point of pointing out all the logical fallacies. I mean, you can't hardly say anything without somebody pointing out, well, that's a fallacy. That's most people right. don't most people don't even know what a, what a logical fallacy is, Chandler. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you I know. That's a red that's a red herring. Uh, you know, that's um straw man argument. They're like, "The hell are you talking about?" you know. Yeah, and I don't have a memorized, you know, I but I do hear enough conversations. I mean, I've listened to the Thinking Atheist podcast. I've listened to the Atheist Experience. I've listened to to Sam waking up with Sam Harris. You know, I, I've listened to a lot of science skepticism skepticism based podcasts, and I have to say that there's a lot of things like argument ad populum, like you know, like a lot of people believe this, so it must be true, or argument from authority, like, well, this expert scientist says this, so it must be right. And there's problems with all these because we can point out times when it's not true. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, most people do not are not aware of these. They're not that logical. They're very emotional, and so when somebody punches them in the face or or hurts them in some way, steals their money or, or or rapes somebody they know or whatever. Whenever someone does something wrong to them, they get all mad and they want revenge. They're just like, ah, this person hurt me and I will hurt them. So, you know, and they think in their minds that hurting the other people is going to scare them away from hurting them, like overpowering them with fear to stop them from hurting them, but really then that person seeks revenge. And this whole cycle of retributive justice, that is completely dependent upon the belief in free will. But I agree with you that you know we need to focus more on psychology, science, biology, the, the actual cause of our behavior. And that's what it is. Right. I mean, I, that's why I call myself a determinist. I, I don't really just call myself an anti-free willist. But it's about why you know things happen, and that's what it's right. always yeah. been about. Getting to the core, getting to the root causes. Chandler, I'm sorry. I got I got to get my somebody's at my door right now. Can I, I'll be right back. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. While well, he's gone. Um. Yeah. Since I can't just stop the broadcast and then restart it because it then just stops the whole thing. Um. Yeah. While he's gone, I just wanted to say. I mean, this is a good conversation. This will prepare us for so so much of our future talks it's really good so sorry dude you were just mentioning how you gotta say something to your mom so that she doesn't keep coming and asking for stuff oh yeah that, that, my, mom, my mom just stopped by and uh, i told her that i was going to be doing the podcast and stuff and but she couldn't get the lock in the door so um yeah anyway i apologize but you can you can edit that out if you need to or 
Yeah, it's interesting because as far as the recorded hangout itself that ends up on my YouTube channel, I can't really edit that video. Oh. Um, but of course, there is one thing I have thought of. I have thought of you know just releasing the audio from these, like finding a way to download the hangout, at just releasing the audio for people who want to listen, don't want to look at our faces. <laughs> can, you, can you do that? Can you split it? You could split it like that. You can do that. Um, I think so. Like there, one time I downloaded a hangout that I did with Kenneth Justice. Um, I used like this software that downloads like any YouTube video, whether it's my channel or anyone else's YouTube ch uh, channel. I could download the videos and mm -hmm. open the video in Audacity and extract the audio. Oh yeah, there you go. So yeah, so that that that's something that could be done because yeah, this is a conversation between you and I. Um, so yeah, but anyway, the point is, yeah, um, we, we both want to make a better world and so does Peter, so do all my other co-hosts, but we have to find the way that appeals to the masses, as you said, because most people are not autistic weirdos like me. They're not. <laughs> They're not somebody such as me that is like, you know, oh, well, let's just not have sex and everybody stop reproducing so that, you know, at, with, with the human population zero, there's no more suffering of humans. I mean, it makes so much sense to me, but other people don't think that way. No, no, it's, it's absolutely contrary. It's contrary to, it's contrary to our biological imperatives. It, it runs contrary to our religious cultural um, upbringing, like our, 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 the religious influence of a Judeo-Christian, you know, belief systems, which says the exact opposite, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Um, it, uh, it goes against what, what most people consider uh, life to be all about, uh, uh, you know, s sex and children and families and, and all these different things. So you, you, you have a very, um, I'd say you're like a eunuch for the, for the philosophy, you know, like you, you've chosen kind of like a, um, Kind of like a priest, you know. Kind of like a priest would be would be celibate to completely devote himself, you know. But it, but you're not doing it as a form of 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 body bodily mortification or asceticism. You're doing it because your act your philosophy actually is compels you to to think that way. And I'm an antinatalist as well. Um, I and I don't. I me and Trick talked about this. I think we that I value life but it's not that i value just reproduction i don't want people to misunderstand and think that when i say life that equates to reproduction it doesn't i think the human race needs to absolutely slow down and there needs to be i'm not going to get into this because i'll sound right. like you know like a nazi right. but you know there, there just needs to be much more thought and and um and contemplation put into it before people um you know before people reproduce and, and have children because it's not it's not considered uh, in the way that it should all the ramifications of it and it's generally done for selfish reasons so and and they and they even justify um, first of all women have that maternal instinct and so it, it's it's in them and, and you're fighting that men have the sex drive and then the testosterone and you know everything is, is about sex and sex cells so you're fighting all of that um, human relationships romance all of this is glorified um to the the highest degree every song from the 50s was about falling in love and your girlfriend and your your sweetheart and all these different things so i mean it's really all this stuff is working against us we need to see the bigger picture yeah. we are we are one interconnected gigantic organism that that is functioning and all interdependent and interconnected so um 
it's not just about your pleasure and it's not just about what makes you feel good and, and meeting your needs and your desires. And it's not just life's not just about, you know, you go to school, go to college, you get a good job, you, you settle down, you meet a girl, you, you have a family, you know, and then, and that's it. You're, you're just perpetuating this, this cycle that doesn't necessarily need to be. We can, we can be single all of our lives or we can just, we can, we can have our, our significant other. We don't have to get married. There's a lot of different, you know, alternate, alternative lifestyles they shouldn't be alternative lifestyles they should just yeah be they're, they're about lifestyle just like anything else right so, my point is and since i brought it up i wanted to mention you know like i've joked like in the podcast i've done with monique like i'm almost a catholic priest but not quite because i'm not catholic i'm an atheist i don't believe in anything supernatural so it's certainly not done. It's not like I'm celibate because I, I think I earned brownie points for an afterlife. It's not yeah. because I think I'll go to hell if I have sex or something. Right. Like some people are taught that by their religion. Sure, you know, it's, sure. it's, it's not it's, about that at all. Peter and I were just it's, Peter and I were just discussing this this false concept of what purity is, of what holiness is. That human beings um, have projected their own idealized notions of what purity and righteousness and, and what godliness is. And it's, it's completely fallacious. It needs to be ethically, you know, learning from, from our learning from the consequences of our actions of, uh, of, of what affects the individual, the community, the society, the biosphere, that's what we need to consider. And, um, not this idealized notion that anything that has to do with the body is ugly and sinful that anything that has to do with our geni our genitalia is is wrong or is is um is against uh you know god and, and holiness and and yeah. god religions Which especially really, I mean, yeah. it really contradicts with your pantheistic view in a sense yeah, absolutely absolutely i yeah, we, we embrace yeah. the physical and the body we embrace the human animal we we have a completely different um and and that doesn't mean that we're hedonistic we're not it's not hedon if anything we're more epicurean um, you know, wanting to desire the, the finer things in life. But at the same time, I would say I, there's not really a word yet for what for what we represent in terms of our spirituality. It, it is it is it is a holistic mindset. It, it is it is all about balance. It's all about recognizing that we are not just spiritual beings. We are not just um, psychological, mental, um, you know, we're not just walking or walking brains, all, all logic and and rationale, we are a combination. We're not just primitive, um, uh, sinful, you know, uh, disgusting, corrupt, um, fallen creatures either. And yet we are animals. So it's a balance of all those things that like we are highly evolved animals that have these incredible cognitive abilities, the abilities to think and reason and, and process abstract, you know, complex thoughts and think and ruminate and dream and, and create and build and, um, you know, innovate. And yet at the same time, we have these incredibly destructive primitive tendencies. And like Christopher Hitchens would say, our adrenal glands are too big. Our frontal lobe is too small. We're in the process of evolving. So we're a, a paradox. We're greater than, we're greater than the other animals on this planet in some ways, in terms of our influence, in terms of our ethics, our morals, our, our values have developed. That the fact that we have ethics and morals and values. At the same time, we're also this Earth's destroyers. We're also, we're also the, the scourge of the planet. And but we can't look at one or the other. We're not just angels, and we're not just demons. We're both. 
we literally can go either way and we have that we have potential we have the potential to to be the the stewards of this planet the stewards of the earth um you know to, to unite and, and exhibit altruism and compassion or to just continue on in selfishness and competition to to continue reverting back to our primitive ways um all these naturalistic fallacies of thinking well if it's if it's done in nature since lions chase down a gazelle and kill them and rip them apart then that's okay that's then it's okay for me to be a meat eater it's okay for me to consume flesh because animals do it so what's what's wrong it's so it's so ridiculous um yeah i know naturalistic common sense. there's so much that goes on in the animal kingdom that we don't do that we've that we've risen above and 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 yet at the same time here's the balance aspect in biopan and biotheism the balance is yet there's so much to learn from nature everything that we are and everything that we that we've become and everything we owe everything to nature and nature is the antecedent intelligence that came before us so there is an intelligence embedded in nature nature has its own intelligence and we have a different kind of intelligence and we just need to embrace um, you know all of that in a balanced way and and not go too far in one direction and not go too far in the other balance is a huge a huge thing it's a huge part of yeah. the and the whole evolution thing is very interesting because when you think about it evolution is is really pretty much um, based on you know what survives long enough to reproduce before it dies and those traits carry on and become more dominant but what's really really ironic Pafo is we actually live at a time where people are evolved enough to come to the philosophical realization that reproducing is really kind of stupid under our current world system. Right now, human human reproduction right now is the, is the most self-centered, uh, stupidest thing we can do. And then, of course, they jump right to the to the extreme and they'll say, "Well, then what? If people stop mating, if people stop um, procreating, what's going to happen? There's going to be no people left. Obviously, someone somewhere will still be reproducing, but it's it's." No one gets this. It's just about having a different philosophy. It's about changing the philosophy and recognizing our place in the biosphere, our place as as highly evolved intelligent organisms um, on a planet with a hundred other trillion uh, organisms that are all competing and, and, and fighting for space and resources as well. It's that we're part of the ecosystem. We're not at the top. We're not the masters of everything. We're part of it and we're and we're since we're so highly evolved, we have a greater responsibility. It does not mean that we should dominate and control and manipulate and exploit um, uh, other plants and animals. We absolutely have a greater responsibility. We're like the superheroes of this planet, you know. With great power comes great responsibility. Like Spider-Man. Yeah, in a sense, and you know that word responsibility has so many different meanings. So, but I totally get what you're saying there. And see, here's what I would like to see. Now, even though I'm totally fine with an example of the world where all humans do completely die out, and there will be no no humans left to feel sad about there being no humans. I mean, duh, you know. It's a but, whole separate – that's a separate discussion right there. We talk about – Oh, yeah, for sure. But what that. I want to say is that, <laughs> yeah. like, we, we, I don't expect that that will actually happen. But my point is let's say enough people embrace this philosophy right. to where instead of seven, eight, nine billion people, we go down to, say, one billion um, right. humans. And then I mean, I, yeah. that, that means that there will be, in relation to the resources and land available, with that few fewer people, they'll all be happier than seven billion of us are now. 
Of course. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge proponent of, of that, that humans need to um, – I mean, uh, Peter uh, will – we, we butt heads all the time because he's very much he's very fearful of sort of transhumanism and the direction of that technology is going and that, that human society is the idea of integrating technologies nanotechnologies and um, biological sort of um, cyborgs taking over the world and you know like integrating these things into our bodies that he, he's very much a purist when it comes to uh, maintaining sort of the human animal and the respect for the human animal but at the same time, um, like what I'm saying is that there, there just needs to be like, like this balance that it can't be like, like one or the other. Like I foresee, um, a world where we are utilizing the technologies, the advanced technologies, but we also live in smaller groups. We are, uh, deriving the benefits of all the advancements we've made, but we have a, a holistic, almost like a, a more of appreciation for the rustic so that, um, what I was trying to say was, I think we, we should completely downsize and live in smaller groups of no more than 50 to hundred people. I think, I think society should go back to being like villages and small towns. And I think that as, as soon as it, as soon as it, it, it um, you know, it escalates and it goes beyond that, then, then you have problems. Uh, we should not be standing side by side with like 50 to hundred other people. And we never talk to them. We have no idea who they are. It, it's, it's unnatural. We're social creatures as primates. It uh it only makes sense that we should live in smaller groups. So I'm a huge proponent of um of of not only sort of downsizing the population, but downsizing our um um our um the the, the density of of cities, you know, of, of towns and stuff like that. That we need to spread out. The earth can provide everyone with everything that we need, and and it's a, it's renewable. I mean, everything is is renewable. People say this a lot. They're like, oh, we live on a finite planet with finite resources. But the truth is, because of the life principle that I believe in, the earth is continuously producing. I mean, we have, um, you know, uh, UV rays. We have, we have energy from the sun. We have energy from water, from wind. We have hydro. We have, you know, so many clean energy sources. And think about how fruits and vegetables grow. Like, as long as there are seeds – there can be plants, there can be vegetation, there can be uh, foliage and, and uh, food. So it's not that the earth lacks food, it lacks, it lacks a conscientious, responsible management of the resources. We need to give people access to these resources, not limit it and have this middleman and utility companies and all the industries. Right What's that? You sound totally like Jack Fresco right now. Oh, of course. I, I mean, you know, I've been influenced, like, you know, for years uh, from uh, Fresco and and PJ, what they what they promote. I mean, this is this is where I have learned about permaculture and um, um, uh, planned obsolescence and and all, all the, the ridiculous um, construct of of money. That what money is? It, it's it's literally just a way to keep people in control, keep people in power, um, keep people oppressed, keep people stratified. This is not a sane society. This is not a logical uh, form of existence, and it all needs to change. So, if you want to get into, um, you know, if you want to start talking about uh, biopan or biotheism, or I could touch on biotheism a little bit, but let Peter, when he comes, when he comes on, uh, discuss that more. But I can, we can talk more about um, uh, sort of, you know, my vision and my and my uh, what I seek to create in terms of how this can um, 
how this can benefit the world and, and how it can make things better. Yeah, and about that, specifically, I want to get into a little bit of a topic about morality or ethics because I think that is the heart of this issue. Whereas, you know, people like, look, Trick and Mitch and I, and we, we all have weird disagreements on this morality or ethics thing. And what's interesting about it is that it's very it's very hard because most people are not smart enough to get this. There's still different degrees of pleasure and pain. There's still happiness and sadness um, that different uh, life forms experience. And so m morality or ethics to me is all just about trying to get as much of that good and reduce the bad. It's very, very simple. <coughs> and, if, and if your your biopantheism or whatever pantheistic philosophy that you or Peter uh, or, or George have, you know, if that can help make a better world, then my motivation is to promote you and what you have to say. And I know, Papo, that you have joined re us in our podcast recently, and so has Peter. And I know that you're a little bit hesitant to, you know, impose your views, as you said, on people. But here's how I look at it is I look at it is that we have already for well over 150 episodes had a chance to promote our views. We've talked about almost every political or religious or ethical topic under the sun. But then you um, and Peter came along and you're offer. you know, we have some new blood, you know, we have some new fresh air, a new thing to discuss because we do have to. As, as long as we're, we're still living here, all us humans are, are here, we have to, with our different worldviews, still find agreements that we can base a society on. And if, so I don't expect that you and Trick will ever convert each other to worldviews. Um, that would take forever, even if it was possible. But we, we have to focus on where we do agree so as a way to make us all somewhat satisfied it's a compromise and i don't like compromise because we all want our own way and the different co-hosts they all sort of want to take the podcast in their direction obviously mm -hmm. you know and so, you know mitch has his way he wants to take things which is very different um than the way george wants to for example but so we're we're tr it's like a very difficult balance of trying let me, to let make me ask a you a question. World. I understand. Let me let me ask you a question, Chandler. <clears throat> um, what uh, what would you say would be the uniting the uniting universal uh, universal factor that actually unites us all? Or let me let me pose it in a different way. Um, no matter what you think. Is going to make the world a better place, no matter what trick, trick thinks, no matter what Mitch or George or I, no matter what belief systems we're coming from or um, what we're trying to, what we're espousing. Do you realize that, or let's let's just ask the question: um, Which one of us can live without water? <laughs> None of us. Which one of us can live without food? No one. Which one of us? Which one of us can live without without clean air? Which one of us can live uh, off the planet at this at this point in time? Which one of us can Which one of us can make our abode uh, apart from the natural world? And let me take it further. What What could we possibly do 
or where could we possibly go where we where we would escape nature nature Nowhere. and our biology is the universal it's the universal tie it is the, the the key to all of this that's why it's called biopantheism because it's life centered that's what biocentrism means life centered that's what i teach and promote that it doesn't matter what your views are, what your philosophical views are, what your religious views are. It, it really doesn't matter. When it comes down to it, we all bleed. We all feel pain. We all seek pleasure, as you said. Uh, we all need um, clean, healthy food, clean water, clean air. It all goes back to our biology, to our, our physical existence on this planet. Now, you could philosophize, and, and there could be spiritual people and say, well, you know, the heavenly kingdom is what I care about and my body is temporary and I, uh, you know, I'm focusing on the spiritual and I'm, I'm, I'm perfecting my soul. And Well, that's great. Well, to us, we're looking at you and your body is rotting and you're still going to um, feel pain if I, if I kick you in the teeth, okay? You're still going to get hungry after a while. Uh, maybe you're a, bre a breather, breather-tarian, is that what they're called now? And, and you can do the sun gazing and you could, and, but we're not at that level yet. Not all of us anyway. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, be able to draw our energy and our substance from the sun and from the earth energetically eventually as we evolve. But right now, we need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need companionship, we need um, a human solidarity. We, we, we are social creatures and um, you know many people can isolate themselves, but when it comes down to it, there's nothing that, that you do or anyone does that isn't you know, affected by everything else. And there's nothing that everything that everyone does that doesn't affect you. So this is a this is beyond um, just my personal slant on things. Like I, I'm literally talking about um, our biology, our physical existence on this planet. That's what that's what should be our priority. That's where the emphasis is is um, on on uh, the human experience, you know. And the human experience is uh, as, as an animal, as a carbon-based life form that is um, susceptible to disease and and aging and um, you know and and uh, you know, we are um, we are products of nature. We are beholden to nature. So why aren't we looking to nature? Why aren't we making nature our top priority? Because it is nature that allows me to speak. It's nature that allows me to see. It is nature that that has has created this environment and and perfected these organisms uh, to coexist within that environment. That's why every species is perfectly suited and perfectly adaptable to their environment, except us. Because we have, we have the, the, there's something different about humans that we have the ability to manipulate our environment to a greater degree than any beaver or, or termite. We can shape and, and reshape and manipulate the weather and we have greater influence and impact than any other species on this planet right now. So what, what does that mean? Um, as I said before, we have greater responsibility, but why are we, we're going so far I don't want to say we're going so far into intellectualism because most people aren't that smart. We're going so far into, into identity and individuality and, and sort of meeting these emotional needs instead of uh, uh, using logic and, and reason and, and formulating our societies, structuring it around you know, not just what's best for the individual but what's best for the whole. We need to have a, a holistic systems uh, systems model, and that means that you know, recognizing uh, all the things I just talked about, that the, that the thing that should be of utmost concern and, and priority 
um, should be our health, you know, our uh, our sustainability, essentially. So that's why Biopan, um, it it's an extension of pantheism. It's taking pantheism to its logical conclusion, where we we not only we view we view nature as divine, and we recognize that that leads to morality and ethics. That leads to altruism and compassion. The cat's like licking my arm as I say this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it, I agree with what you're saying here. And see, here's the deal. This is not just opinion. This isn't just – see, my problem is that people think all opinions are valid. They're like these – some people are truth relativists. Like they think there's your truth and my truth. Sure. But this is an objective fact, all those things you mentioned. None of us can live without air or water. None of us, none of us, unless you're a tardigrade or something. At least as far as not, none of us humans here can do these things. We can't live without food. We can't live without water. We can't just live without our space. You know that all these are facts that we can't do these things, and we are all pretty much the same. Our biology is what ties us all together, and then we have all these different political philosophies and moral philosophies and religions, and we have this illusion of separation. I, I call it the illusion of separation. We have this illusion that we're all separate and that we're all doing our separate things, but really we're all stuck together in this same boat together. You know, we're so imagine, all so imagine if a philosophy, a new philosophy was taught. Imagine if a new worldview was established that says we're not separate. We're actually all one gigantic organism. We're one being, and we need to work together just like all the trillions of cells in the body work together, just like all the organs work together, just like all the life forms in any ecosystem uh, fuels and feeds off of itself, off of each other, and, and there, is, there is a relationship there. There's a symbiotic relationship. We need to view human society um, in terms of a, a symbiotic relationship with each other, with the environments, with the plants and animals that surround us, with the earth. Like we, we have gone too far into abstraction so that we no longer – and I'm not saying that technology is a bad thing. I'm not saying we should – the advancements, the industrial revolution, the, um, you know, the scientific revolution and uh, you know, go all, all the way back to you know, the, the renaissance and, and – you know, eventually of, of light bulb and using electricity and, and you know being able to power and machines and create these things and, and now with with computers and being able to um to digitally program stuff to to uh to to print thing, things and 3D printers it, it, this is all a beautiful thing it, it just needs to be applied um in a holistic way and not just benefiting the few not just benefiting uh, the elites or you know the the one percent like it needs to be we need. I am the first one to say. Um, most human beings are uneducated. Most most human beings on this planet are, are deeply steeped in in uh, cultural. Only only word I could say is ignorance. Um, so it it it's not that like. I don't know how to say this. Um, it's not that we're all created equal. We're actually we're actually not. There there is stratification already there. So the people with the most intelligence, I would say, the people who who are looking at things holistically, not just scientists, but scientists who view things in a holistic sense, engineers and physicists, and you know, uh, uh, people who are specialists in in, in agriculture, who, in in botany, in the things that actually fucking matter. Who gives a shit about who wins, you know, the next baseball game? How does that affect the planet? <laughs> 
It's it's literally just a distraction. Who gives a shit? I mean, this is a, a touchy subject because you'd say, well, well, films and movie and Hollywood is a um, it's completely superficial. It's a waste of time. But I disagree because I actually think that's a form of communication. How many people have been inspired by Avatar or by movies that that uh, that that can educate, that can educate and can like show, um, that can teach a biocentric philosophy? So that's a that's a medium that even though it is corrupt and it can be mindless entertainment at times. Yeah, it's a I mean, tool I, just like anything else. It, it, yeah, it can be used for, for good or for evil. So I would say our, just our entire focus just needs to change. Um, and if we really want to make things better, minimize pain and suffering, um, you know, heal the sick, feed the poor, all the humanitarian concerns, we've got to get back to what actually matters. So let me, let me try to bring it home here. Um, this is uh, the segue to, to my point. Imagine if we had a biocentric philosophy that viewed life in the highest regard, that life itself, not the ability to reproduce, I mean that's part of it obviously, but life itself, the, the self-organizing intrinsic inherent life principle that's in all things, um, what makes something valuable, what makes something sacred to us, to, to pantheists or to biopans, what makes it sacred uh, is the fact that it's older than us. It came before us. It, it, it's, it's what's allowed our bodies to evolve and adapt and change. It's what gives us our intelligence. It's, we, we, we need to recognize um, the sanctity of life and, and view the earth as sacred. Imagine if a world, imagine a world that viewed all life as sacred. Immediately, just that one premise alone eliminates competition and greed and violence and and war and chaos and and theft and lying and and um, corruption because you know we are we're honoring the divinity we're honoring um, the life principle so honor the life principle and you eliminate half the problems in the world right now respect uh, the process you know learn to coexist with nature learn to live in harmony with nature move with the seasons um, Listen to your body. Do things in balance. Don't go so far to the extreme, whether it's asceticism or overindulgence. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm a huge proponent of uh, of balance in all things. Veganism is an extension of this. You know, you know, recognizing um, the life force that what makes what makes a living organism valuable is not its utilitarian purpose to us. It's not it, it it's that it's a commodity or or you know however many thousand sheep or cattle or, or chickens um, because they can feed us. Yeah. You know, if we can sustain ourselves, you know, and, and on fruits and vegetables and, and the, the benefit of that and the, the takeaway from that is that, that it's, it's what our physiology, it's what our physiology uh, requires anyway. Um, if, if we can live without having to kill, without having to, to torture and mutilate and, and exploit and manipulate and oppress other life forms, then it is our, it is our ethical duty to do so. It, it, it should be first and foremost uh, to respect life. And okay, and then there's got to be the balance, right? Because we've talked about like if a mosquito is, is going to bite me and suck my blood. Oh, yes, the mosquito discussion. A tick is on me or my animals. This doesn't mean that you can't. This doesn't. This doesn't exclude self-defense, of course, because you honor the divinity within first. So, of course, you defend yourself if your life is being threatened. But how often are our lives really being threatened by yeah. by chicken, 
by, by a chicken or a sheep <laughs> or a goat or a cow. Um, no, that there, there's absolutely no reason uh, to kill other animals when um, uh, we, we, we can absolutely thrive and, and, and live in a more sustainable way and, and save the environment, you know, if we, if we move to a, a plant-based diet. So this is a natural extension of um, recognizing all life is sacred and all life as divine. Yeah, that self-defense principle has played itself out in my life a few times because what, you know, like I try to take spiders out of the house without killing them. You know what I mean? I never once yet have I had a had a specific time where I've actually had to kill one to get it outside. It's interesting. And of course I had a leech on me. Actually there was a time when I was a kid that I had a lot of leeches on me, but that's a whole other story. But like wow. you know what <laughs> but what last time I got a leech on me, I was swimming down at the creek. A really bad idea, by the way. There's some deadly stuff in there. And I got this leech on me. And I could not pull it off in the air, so I had to go back into the water and pull it off. It was hard and it hurt, but I got it out. So the leech went on and lived its life, and I didn't have to kill it. <laughs> well, that's fascinating. Uh, sure. I mean, if, if you don't have to kill it, because what? A leech, as disgusting and, and repulsive as it is, it's just another organism that's trying to feed. It's just another organism that's trying to survive. If we can view things, uh, living organisms, as just other aspects of ourselves, just you know, other creatures, other differentiated um, aspects, manifestations of the Amia, then, then we can respect and we can, we can care for life and, and uh, we don't have to kill. Um, like, it's, it's, it's hardly ever like us or them, yeah. you know, situations. So, yeah, situations but, where you have to kill are exceptionally rare. Right, now, and I want to make the point that, of course, this wasn't always the case, and, and this is why humans began to eat uh, meat and hunt to begin with. You know, when vegetation was scarce during the Ice Age, um, we had to because there was no there's no other way to sustain ourselves. But we've moved beyond that. We're we're in a completely different paradigm now. So why are we still living on a paleo diet? Why are we still thinking that we're carnivores? We were opportunistic omnivores. That's what we were, and, yeah. and now we have we have the choice. But I want to get. I don't want to um, get too far off. Uh, I want to try to stay focused here. But uh, your your anecdotal stories are are a trip. Oh, I know. Um, and one thing leads to another. But this is part of it. Part of sure. life being all. And I would be described as a biopan in that sense. In that, to me, life is all because life really is what experiences things. And right. and 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 the thing of things having value only makes sense in light of conscious life forms that experience it. Sure, uh, and that um, I, what you just said, I would say, on a gradient scale, obviously we have to make the decisions. Um, you know, of of at different times, we can't go so far abstract and say. A plant is, you know, what's the difference between killing a pig and a plant? Because all is divine. This is actually a huge problem that I've encountered. I saw that. Groups. I saw you, that you in your Facebook group. You, you won't, um, you won't have to deal with this. You'll have to deal with this in, in another, in another way. But with pantheists, it's, it's extra difficult because they, they make this ridiculous, uh, parallel, and they say, uh, you know, what's the difference between killing a plant and killing an animal? If, if everything is God, if everything is divine, I view all life as sacred. So what are you saying? So where's the logical, where does that logic lead? So then we don't kill plants. What do we eat? What, what do we eat? <laughs> eating, eating vegetation, eating um, the flora that the earth provides 
and especially eating fruits because they continue to, to live and they, they give up their seeds in that way to, to reproduce. Um, it, it is still the it's doing the least amount of harm. It's still the most ethical, you know, most moral thing that you, that you can do um, that that um, creates the the least amount of impact on the environment. So it it only makes sense. Like even if plants are are sentient on a certain level, which I actually believe that they are. I believe that that, that all life is sentient on a on a certain level, but but of course. <laughs> You know, biting into a carrot is not the same thing as biting into a, a live fish because right. there's, yeah. there, 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 there are pain, there are pain sensors there. there, there there's a, a complex nervous system there. You have I don't even know why I should have to explain this. It's it's insulting <laughs> it's to obvious. my intelligence and to the to the people. So it's all about balance. It's like of course, uh, biting into a live eel or 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 you know hurting an animal, um, harming a living organism is different than harming uh, you know. Uh, a tree, but yet we should respect the trees. We should respect the plants. We, you know, plants actually respond better. The, the studies have shown whether people think it's pseudoscience or, or not that that um in in these healthy environments where they play the music or when they when they talk to their to their plants um gently because everything is energy because everything yeah. is really just vibrating energy at, at different levels of, of evolution. So that's, yeah, that's the important thing. I agree thing. with that. See, I totally agree with that, Poffo. There is definitely some sort of awareness, some sort of consciousness, sure. even with the plants sure. and the bacteria. But for people to actually claim that they're that you know, say, cutting open a watermelon and cutting open a live pig are the same thing. Like, no way. There is Absolutely a huge not. difference. No. Which one of them is screaming in pain and trying to run away? Yeah. This. This is. This is a. You and I are, are, are beyond this conversation, but I, I do have to deal with this a lot in pantheist groups, and it's very frustrating. So so let's move on. Like, um, what what would a world look like, or or how could how could a, a biopantheist philosophy change things? Well, for starters, if we're if we're speaking about the environment, um, there is no edict, you know, in in the Bible, old or new, that says to care for the earth. There there is no ordinance or, or command that says to protect the environment, to care for the environment. What it actually says is the opposite, that the earth is here for us, that the earth is going to be destroyed by fire, uh, that God's going to create a new world for us, that that plants and animals are here for us to use, uh, to dominate, to um, to dictate, to control. This These books were written in the Bronze Age, in the Iron and Bronze Age, with pe where people were, were very, very intimately connected to the land. But everything revolved around, uh, you know, goat herding and and taking care of the animals because that was their form of, of currency. They would trade goats and sheep and oxen and cows, and literally animals did not have that same respect. And in other cultures, uh, in other parts of the world, obviously in pagan cultures, there was more respect in cultures that. Um, you know, believed more animistic in, in, in animism and, and Native American cultures and stuff like that. There was a deep, deep respect, and, and especially North American um, Indians, Native Americans, had this, um, you know, th this great reverence uh, for life. And and even though they hunted and killed, they honored and they and they said a prayer and they thanked it. And that's the right attitude to have. And it, and it's because they weren't an agricultural society yet. They weren't growing massive amounts of food like we can now. So. And they traveled from place to place. A lot of them were, were um, you know, nomadic, and they followed the buffalo and things like that. So, when you think about it, I mean, that's the right mentality. But yet, 
use the advancements that we have today and, and, and apply all this, and we recognize that we don't have to kill. We don't have to kill animals at all. So what I want to say about that is, yeah, yeah there right. is a huge difference in the philosophy of respecting life. Like respecting right. life like we want to do is not supported by Christianity, Judaism, or not Islam at all. in any yeah. sense. The, the, body is considered, the body is considered corrupt. The body is considered uh, shameful. It's the exact opposite, man. And it's led to it's led to all kinds of perversions and all kinds of divisive behavior because of people suppressing their their natural inclinations and natural urges and instincts. We need to embrace our instincts. We need to not suppress our urges, but channel them. Channel them in ways that are helpful and, and beneficial. Use sublimation. Um, think in an altruistic sense. Um, the, the point is, most modern religions, um, with the exception of Jainism. Buddhism and you know Native American spirituality and, and neo paganism, paganism and, and Buddhism and um and Jainism really some some aspects of Hinduism some aspects of Hinduism do the exact opposite and they sacrifice bulls and, and you know to, to the gods there's a pantheon of gods there still so it's polytheism but there's only a few the rest the, the monotheistic faith the Abrahamic religions um do not they do not um emphasize you know, a uh, love and respect for nature. They, they, because remember, God to them is separate from nature. God created the world. We have this duality of two things. There's God over here and nature over here. Pantheism says, no, God and nature are one. They're one thing. And, and we honor and respect all life. We honor and respect our own divinity. Um, and, and we do everything we can to minimize harm and pain and suffering and, and, and promote this biocentric attitude. Yeah, I wanted to say about that. I totally get what you're saying. Although what I actually see with many people, and this is the way I saw it all my life, is there's a three-way separation they have. They're like, there's there's God here, there's humans here, and then there's nature. That's right. how they're looking right. at it. As if, well, God created humans and the rest of nature, which they don't care right. about. You know? right. or, or, or humans are here, humans are separate from animals. Like This is a huge thing, just recognizing that human beings are animals. Most religious traditions do not, do not see humans as animals because of exactly, because of exactly the qualities and the, the traits and the, um, the advancements we've made, evolutionarily speaking, because of those qualities, um, that's why they, they view animals as separate. We, we, don't, we, we, say, we always say humans and animals, humans and animals. Yeah, That's, I hate that. It's, it's, it's even in our language. It's in our language. I say it too, I'm, because there is a distinction. But the point is, in terms of overall, in terms of our ethics and our morals and our values and our philosophy, there there really should be no distinction. Um, there are many difficult things you'd say if a if if there's a, a child in the road and you have the option. There's a dog in the road and there's a child in the road and you're going to hit one of them. What, which one would you choose? I, I can't answer questions like that. I mean, yeah, I know those kinds difficult. of questions are it's, just so stupid. But, but uh, I mean, because they're, they're trying to they're trying to make you choose. They're trying to say that one life or one organism is of greater value than the other, and we don't want to think of it like that. We we want yeah. to view all life, all life is sacred, and and as far as we're able to 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 not to not do any harm uh, to any life forms. Um, yeah, exactly. Give it to plants. If we can, if we can, if we can take from plants. If you have a, a basil, uh, you know, a basil plant or, or a mint plant, you, you take the leaves, but you you keep watering it. You take care of it. You respect the cycle. You respect the process. You know, it's it's not it's not this materialistic um, 
obviously we live in a we live in a physical world um but this concept of materialism and and speciesism and and this sort of selective selective empathy it, it makes absolutely no sense that you would slaughter a pig but you would care for a dog that you would um you would you would help a little bird if it falls and breaks its wing and you might nurse it back to health but then you'll you'll slit the throat of a chicken it it makes absolutely no sense the chicken's the bird the chicken in many cases may have a stronger bond with you you know <laughs> because of how intelligent they are Oh, I know. I totally get that. And see, Poffo, that's the kind of inconsistency in human behavior that drives me mad. It drives sure. me totally crazy. And and it's not just that I'm upset about the pain being caused to the animals. That's the, the biggest part. But it's also like I am personally annoyed that humans are that inconsistent and illogical. It's it, it's understandable. It's understandable because because we have made these leaps, these advancements in evolution. So. Um, so we, we do appear different because we have language. I mean, all animals actually have language. They communicate and, and through body language and stuff. But because we have verbal diction and, and language, so we, we appear to be higher and more intelligent. And we are in, in, cert in certain ways. But my cat can see better than I can at night. And he's much more agile, even though he's fat and overweight. He's, he's much more agile than I am. And... You know, he he uh he has a greater sense of smell. So you know, they are they are more advanced in many ways than we are. We've evolved sort of inwardly. We've human Homo, homo sapiens have evolved internally, psychologically. Um, you know, in, in terms of our ability to to create, to uh, um, to plan, to uh, to calculate. You know, to to ruminate, to contemplate these these things. Animals don't have time for that. Since we were so successful as hominids, as primates. We have we've had the time to develop these, those faculties, but uh, animals are you know just about survival. So they they just get better and better and better at whatever they are, what they're doing. But you know if, if they become successful, they will also evolve. And, th and this is another aspect: uh, if every potential animal could evolve to 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 become a um, to evolve to the level of human consciousness, then we need to honor and respect those animals because they are just us. You know, on the journey, like like further behind or further ahead. Yeah. Um, so well, so take, for example, to make that distinction is 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 false. It's wrong. Yeah. See, take for example the fact that well, you know, a dog or a cat typically doesn't live as long as humans. They don't live for eighty to hundred years like humans right. tend to do. So right. if we are if we are more educated, if we do evolve more inwardly, I think that's because we're we're given more time to do so. Absolutely. That's that's why. That's exactly why. Um, uh, it, it's a it's a whole combination of environmental factors and uh, opposable thumbs. You know, um, uh, being bipedal, um, the the big brains. You know, it, it all everything was working in our favor. Um, but every other species, every other organism has that same potential, and every and that's what life is trying to do. Life is trying to just make the. It's trying to put out the best, the best possible version of itself that it can you know it wants to live as long as possible it wants to keep continue reproducing 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 in order to i believe in a teleological you know perspective in order to bring about this higher level of consciousness so yeah. 
And, and take, for example, the way we start out. Each one of us humans start out as a sperm and an egg combined. And before you know it, after all this replication of the original cell, then we have all these different features. We have our skin, we've, we've got our hair, we've got the eyes, we have, we have mucus in our nose. We, we've got every, all the different internal organs. We have all of these things which are all originally copied from what that sperm and egg that it started, but, but it evolved since then. And it happens in such a short time considering when you consider what we start out as and then sure. in only a few years um, we're, we're already walking and talking humans and, as toddlers. And, and again, I got this is, this is what I got to interject this that um, that's the miracle of it all. That's the miracle of life that that, that programming that in DNA and RNA and in the, in the replication of cells, that is the miracles. We didn't create that. Yeah. Don't tell me, don't tell me there isn't a higher power. When we didn't create ourselves, nature created us, and nature allows for all this, and nature has this, 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 this programming, this inclination, this penchant toward life and, and greater and greater levels of self-awareness and cohesion. So let's, let's talk about that. Like, um, yeah, you know, what, yeah especially what the term higher power. That one has always thrown me off when people ask me if I believe in a yeah. higher power. And I'm like, higher than what? There's because, no higher power. There's no higher power than nature. There is nothing yeah. more powerful. There's nothing more influential. There's nothing greater. Why are people worshiping an invisible man in the sky when the most powerful thing in existence is all around them and inside of them and and everywhere? Yeah. Like yeah, it, we, don't need, we don't need a higher power than nature. We don't. We don't need one. Every power that we want is part of nature. And and what a lot of people mean, they mean like higher than human. Right. you know power and it depends on what you're talking about because take the arms of a gorilla that are way stronger than a than human arms it, or take the the trunk and legs of an elephant and see the power that they have you know sure. if, if we're talking in terms of power as in physical strength well then humans are puny we're really puny right. and that, that gets back to what we're saying of how we evolved in a different way we're no longer evolving we're always going to evolve physically but we're no longer evolving in adaptation in an adaptational sense, is that even a word? Adaptational. We're no longer evolving <laughs> in a physical sense. Uh, you know, you know, in in tandem with our environment, we are now in control of our own evolution. And so, our brains are going to get bigger. Our brains are going to get bigger, and the parts that we're not using are are going to sort of um, uh, atrophy. Um, and and then the other parts are are going to expand. And that's just that's how evolution works. We nature has no idea of how it's going to turn out. That's the beauty of it. That's the joy of it. That's the, the novelty of it. It is, is, it is going in all these different directions. It has no idea of the outcome. It just knows that it wants to be. It wants to exist. It wants to live. And I want um, uh, to talk about this, that, um, about the sort of the, the, the phenomenal, miraculous nature of, of, uh, of the reproductive process of, uh, um, of how a life form you know, comes into fruition. Um, that's something that we should honor. That doesn't mean that we should just be breeders and keep making babies and babies because it, it doesn't make sense in our in our system right now, in our the way that our, our you know our, where we're headed in our societies. But that that process itself should be honored. And I'm trying to get to the idea that like, why aren't people respecting and and honoring nature and seeing nature? Uh, for what it really is, we are not personifying nature. This is not an anthropomorphic. Um, vision 
we, we recognize nature for exactly what it is, for, for this all-encompassing, powerful thing that itself, that itself needs to be educated, follow me here, through us. We are the mind and heart, sort of the, the ethical and moral conscience of nature because now we're recognizing that killing and, and lying and stealing are wrong and, and competition is, is not desirable, that we can, we can work in cooperation uh, with other living systems. So nature is learning through us. Yeah, what I wanted to say, yeah. though, is – And that's a good thing. Do that, do that when you want to talk and then I'll stop. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good because I realize you can see me, so that's good. Sure. Yeah, um, what I wanted to say – is it's not that pantheists um, or other pagan traditions are personifying nature, like you said. Well, some, I, some, some pagans do, but yeah. that's Yeah, well, what I would say is that we, and I'm not talking about just you and I. I'm talking about all humans and animals, even the bacteria, all these things, these life forms to a certain extent. We are the personifications of nature. Exactly. There it is. Uh, that's we, it. We are. We are. We are the, we are the hands and feet. We are the we are the mind of God. We're the hands and feet of, of the divine, literally like spreading out and 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 forming and, and becoming um these these cognitive beings that, with the capacity to think and reason and judge between what is right and what is wrong. Nature, primitive nature, doesn't care about the individual, about the, the individual organism. It does on a level of uh, of cause and effect. So every action is an equal and opposite reaction and you suffer the consequences of your action so it teaches you but it doesn't care overall it, it only cares about the perpetuation of the species we care about the individuals we prolong life we we extend human life we we um care for and nurture the sick and the elderly and, and crippled and the disabled um that is nature that's nature that's the heart of nature showing compassion on itself so first and foremost we have to recognize that we are nature and that this divine personified being that's out there somewhere that's that's separate and apart from us in a transcendent realm does not exist right now but what does exist in the natural world and what god god is in nature the omnia what god is becoming we are becoming that god of myth and legend that god of ultimate goodness and righteousness and and power and that's line that's that's where we're headed and it, so there's a complete ontology here where we recognize like in a in the pandeistic model that the all-knowing uh, all-powerful dios as they would call it i would call it the omnia existed in it without potential you know only in potential without physical manifestation literally has transitioned and become this physical universe and now this physical universe is moving back into coherence and cohesion with itself to become, you know, and it's just a cycle. It's just a torus. Yeah, I think um, I get what you're saying in the sense that what whatever whatever there was in the past, long time ago, has what is what became us now. So any power or intelligence that we display, that potential was always there because was already that's in what it. became right. it was us. already in the singularity. It had to be because otherwise, where did it come from? This is the universe is a, a self-organizing, self-sustaining. Um, self-perpetuating sort of um i'm thinking like ai like like terminator you know it, it, it grows in its intelligence exponentially grows through its experience it's exactly what we what we are um but the point is yeah all of this the potential for all of this was already in that singularity so god existed god existed as people think of god it existed 
it no longer exists now in a conscious sort of personified coherent singular being it's split up and diversified and, and it's 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 everything it's everything that exists it's the universe it's all life forms and yeah. all, life, all life forms are becoming more and more compassionate all life forms are learning to be more intelligent, to be more self-aware. All life forms are learning to work in cohesion and in and, and cooperation with itself. So look, take the, make the, I, I said, I did this with trick, make the trajectory, just follow the path. Where are we headed? We are becoming what people think of typically as God, but that sort of intervening God that suspends the laws of nature, that, that's, right. that's a that the type exist. of God that turns the moon into cheese, as trick would say. <laughs> Where do you get that from? He, he said the same thing. I, I was. Yeah, he, he, it's not the first time he's used it. He, yeah. he used yeah. the same one on George in one of our Free Will Science of Religion episodes about mm -hmm. God turning the moon into cheese. And right. it's, it's a funny example. However, sure. it, it, fits, it, it fits in with the idea that people like Christians believe about God, that God is this intervening God that can can break the laws of nature, can actually break the natural order of things and intervene and, and say, for example, like say we're talking Harry Potter type magic they attribute to their God. Right, we're, we're, right. we're talking about the idea that God could say miraculously change one gen gender to another or just make the moon disappear or turn to cheese. Or, or, or like, for example, the biblical example of God holding the sun still in the sky. Sure. Really Joshua. Yeah. Just so, just so they could win a battle. And uh, there's there's so many instances of this. And, I mean, right. um, and the, res the resurrection of the dead, you know, the healing, uh, uh, you know, healing, um, you know, people with palsy, people with, with all these diseases. Um, you know, this is the this is where Peter might might come in to sort of to give you a, a reinterpretation because. Nature does have that power. Locked within our, what, what supposedly our junk DNA is all the encoding and the information to change the uh, the metabolic, you know, physical structure of a, of an organism. But we have to tap into it. We have to find the codes. The right codes have to be there because everything that's possible to exist, uh, the potentiality is there. Um, but this is an extreme example, uh, a fanciful, obviously, you know. To, to miraculously heal, to, um, to to make the blind see again, to, to make the, the mute um, speak. Um, this is – we can almost look at it as um, – let's say that's the goal. You know, let, we're, we're working towards that. We, we are doing that. I mean with LASIK surgery, with, uh, you know, speech apparatuses, you know, with all the prosthetic limbs, with, with um, even ex extending the telomeres or, or, allow, or preventing the telomeres – which is responsible for the aging process, preventing the telomeres from, from uh, degradating, um, that, that is the key to aging. We will eventually, maybe, uh, we have the potential, we have the capacity. Humans may be able to do this. We'll be able to um, eliminate aging and sickness and, and eventually death. We'll be able to conquer death. So look at the biblical stories as a metaphor and maybe like a, you know, as a far off goal, like an ideal of what we, what we are moving toward, what, we, what is actually possible when we work together, when we use creativity and and we uh, and when we innovate, you know, and we, and we can understand the biological processes, but it's not going to happen by saying a few words, you know, and doing a little spell. That's yeah, not how it's going to happen. I think, I think I'm going to have to change my approach um, in and how I answer the question because next person who asks me if I believe in God, I'm going to ask them which one. Because or you could say or you could say I I do, uh, but I call it nature. 
I, I don't believe in what you would call God, but there is something that's all powerful. That's, that's yeah. basically eternal that, that, that is in control of everything. Um, but not in a conscious way. You yeah. Know? Well, you know, it's interesting because see, first of all, um, I, I want people to understand that Christianity does not get a monopoly on the word God. You, you know, because it, there are all these different other pagan religions. There's other competing religions such as Islam and Judaism and Hinduism and, and stuff like that that have – those religions have their different God concepts. And I feel like too much is assumed when someone uses the word God that sure. unfortunately reducing it to a yes or no question only doesn't really work. Because throw, out, throw out the concept of God. Say there is no God as you see it, as you know it. There is no such thing. But what yeah. does exist is the natural world. What does exist are forces and powers that are greater than us, that came before us, that actually influence our, our lives greater than any uh, any psychological construct that, that we've invented uh, can. But yeah. there are forces and powers that we need to respect, that we need to work to, to you know work alongside with, that we need to honor, and um and that actually give us the impetus to do everything that we do like these forces and powers that do exist you know in nature whether it's internally uh, biologically or externally the it's weather gravity electromagnetism thermodynamics entropy these forces are the things that actually govern our lives we should study physics we should study science we should study astronomy cosmology uh, microbiology we should study you know ecology we should study um zoology this is the world we live in, okay? Yeah. And what what Biopan does is it takes it brings all the focus away from the supernatural, away from the, of mysticism, away from away from these um, these cultural you know uh, constructs that, that that don't really serve us that aren't that aren't based in reality, and it's putting all the focus and the emphasis on on what actually exists and saying no, this is what's miraculous: our body's ability to heal itself. This is what is what is what is beautiful and what is awe-inspiring and, and what where we should have you know put our attention on and that's that's the whole point and so it's it's a completely naturalistic worldview that focuses on what actually matters and, and gives yeah. gives the, the honor and the glory to to what it should be but but we have to but we have to remember uh, nature is not always beautiful it's not always kind it's not always nurturing. Um, it is cruel and it's indifferent many times and it's completely um, random at times, you know. So, so we have to have a healthy respect. And this is the way people viewed God back in the old, in the old days, in the Old Testament. God was the, the author of both good and evil until the the influence of Zoroastrianism and other religions that created that 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 duality that there was an all good God and then an, an all evil God. And so they had to create Satan basically to explain yeah. away evil. They had to create free will to to explain why God would create Satan, and then it, it just you just keep backtracking and with lies. Yeah, and, you're, you're absolutely you know. right about that, Paul. See, this is the important thing to understand is that the free will myth is a religious concept that was invented to explain other things. It goes back to the problem of evil once again because right. people like to have their heroes and villains. They like to have their God, and they like to have their Satan. They like to have the good and, and dark um, polarities, yeah. They they see in black and white. They see things in yeah. Dreams. They see it that way, and but and yet, like you said, it's not it's not so simple. It's not that simple because that that goodness and badness is done by all of us. 
It's not as if they're – we can't look at people as purely good and bad, and we can't look at the concept of even if you are religious and you believe in these deities, there's just no way you can get away with the holy good, the holy evil aspect. And the problem with the whole free will myth is it's like it does, the free will that they believe in clearly, even if it existed, does not give us the ability to be good all the time or to be evil all the time. We can't control how our actions are influenced. We don't really have free will, obviously, but we also can't control the effects of our actions because we can't even know. And like, like for example, Paul, before we started this hangout, you and I didn't know all this stuff that we were going to talk about. We just start talking, and then one thing leads to another. It's like a whole predetermined player movie where nobody knows the script. It's like right. we don't have a knowledge of what's going to happen. And so what it comes down to is that even ethics, while I, I hold to you know realist ethics or objective ethics, in that there is a right and wrong answer to every ethical decision, to a certain extent, it's guesswork. It's still guesswork by us because we it's don't not, know yeah, the it's outcome. Not, it's not predetermined. Uh, it's not predetermined in a fatalistic sense, but um, yeah. it is influenced by our knowledge, our skills, our abilities, our you know our right. inclinations, what, what we're feeling at the moment. You know, it's it's still the movie is playing. You know, we're we're, we're living it yeah. out. We're, we're we're living it out in present in real time. You know, it's not all. It's not all. Otherwise, there'd be no purpose to it. I mean, this goes back to my ontology. Is part of the whole purpose of existence is to learn and grow and, and experience novelty. Um, yeah. See, here's the way I look at it, and this is what trips so many people up about determinism: is it's not that things are fatalistic. It's not that things are predetermined to happen regardless of what you do, but that you were predetermined to choose what you do based on your desires, which you did not choose. I mean, and I know it's it, it, it pains so, me that I have to use that language. I wanna, I wanna. So I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a minute. Um, so what? So, so someone would say, okay, so so what? That still that doesn't even affect me because if I'm subject to all these things, I still have the ability to choose to make choices. Whether my ability is contingent upon prior circumstances and a an infinite uh, causal chain of events. So what? I still have to decide. I still have to choose. Um, so this is my this this is my um my challenge to you. I would say, is this really something that is that is relevant to the extent that it that it will that it will change things in a significant way on a global scale? Like not the idea itself, but sort of the idea in relation to to the average Joe, to the average citizen. That's that's what I'm trying to say. See, I would I would this is my contention, and it's I'm not really disagreeing with you, but I would say it's it's more of a decision of, of where the emphasis should be. If we could convince people, if we could show people, not convince them, not convert anybody, but li literally um, make them aware, show them the, the photos from the Hubble Space Telescope, show them, help them understand microbiology, help them understand what extremophiles are, help them understand how fascinating and complex and and intricate their their own bodies are and then and then spread that out and then and you know show them the value of life show them what is meaningful and what is significant okay and and get rid of all these archaic outdated um antiquated uh societal norms these 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 concepts that they that they maintain which are causing the abhorrent behavior 
you know, shift their focus, instill a new philosophy, say, you know, there is no God, but there is nature. Okay. It's not that nothing has any value. Everything we do has value because we are, we are nature. We are the ones writing the script. We are the ones making up as, as we go along. It, the responsibility is up to us. But if someone messes up, when you see someone fail, when you see someone that's different than you, remember that you're really not that different. Your DNA is 99.9% .9 identical and identical to that tree. And you know, when you see someone make these mistakes and, and mess up or, or hurt you, remember that you're an animal. Remember that, that you have these, these instincts and these inclinations. But we're not living in a tribal society anymore. That like we can, we can exhibit patience and, and long-suffering and tolerance and forbearance so, because we have the capacity to now. So recognize that you're an animal, but also recognize that you're moving in a direction. There's a trajectory here that you're becoming something more every day, that all organisms, all life is continuously moving you know, uh, toward greater and greater levels of, of, of self-awareness and, and I would argue uh, greater and greater levels of righteousness, of, of, um, of ethical standards. We See, I, I agree with what you're saying each, here. Each evolution. Yeah, see, here's the interesting part about it is that educating people in general about all these facts will lead them. That's, that's another way of dispelling the myth of free will. And it does work because here's what it comes down to. And for the most part, you're right. It doesn't make a lick of difference as far as well, you still have to choose what you're going to do. It just, it's, you know, the whole thing is that you were still, it was still under deterministic universe. You were always going to do that for sure. But the reason it matters is not so much to your daily experience because I think with the daily experience it doesn't matter too much. Here's what it, how it has helped me personally is that it has made me aware that had I been another person and I had with had their genetics, I had had all their experience, raised the same way, believed the same way, everything had been the same, and I lived their life. I would be doing exactly what they're doing. Had I been right. Trick Slattery, I would have said exactly everything that Trick said in right. that his his little debate with you. Right. And I would be if I had been Mitch, I'd be saying the universe is the bag that holds the stuff. I would right. be right, and and, 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 that, and that's hard. It's hard for me because Mitch pissed me off, and I'll, I'll I'll challenge him right now. I'd love to debate that guy, but um, <laughs> you're you're right. If I, if I saw Mitch's life. And everything that led up to that point, I'd say it makes perfect sense. It's totally understandable. I see where he's coming from. I see what his motivations are. So in that sense, Christians would teach forgiveness and um, kindness almost like almost like for kindness sake, like for the sake of that's how we need to be uh, because everybody's sinful, so we just need to forgive everyone because yeah. you were sinful and God forgave you and you were, uh, you know, you were corrupt, and, and so you've you've experienced this divine salvation. So love and respect and honor others. So that's their take. I would say we're all animals, and exactly what you just said, we're all subject to our yeah. environment, to our experiences, to the, the chain of events that led up to this. Um, so I would say it has more – the best approach would be I, I, to teach reality, to teach reality that like literally – a yeah. person, a person is a combination of all these different things. They're a combination of their heredit, their hereditary, their hereditary, um, their genes. They're a combination of the choices they've made. They're a combination. They are a total product of their environment. Just understand that there is an amalgamation of things that that you know that have that have led that lead to everything. 
that everything yeah. is, is interconnected. And that's not just a catchphrase for Pantheus or for you. That means that everything is really connected, so everything affects everything else. Yeah, see, here's the difference. The difference between my perspective as a determinist and the perspective of a Christian is a Christian who believes in free will. It's like, well, you're an evil, rotten sinner, and you've done wrong to me or my loved ones. But because I'm such a wonderful, great, holy person, I forgive you because look how good I am that I can forgive you. And well, they become this arrogant forgiveness person. I don't think I don't think in most cases that's their motivation, but that is definitely what ends up happening. That's what I've ends seen, up yeah, happening. I've seen that yeah. I think that they're trying to they're they're just following they're following their convictions because they believe it to be true, but you can't get away from that. You end up being sanctimonious. But right. I can't I I mean everybody can end up being sanctimonious, but I'm trying to make the case that if you know yourself and you're honest with yourself, okay? I know everything that's wrong with me, okay, and, and I know everything that's that's right with me. And and if you have an honest view of yourself and things are in balance and nothing is extreme, avoid extremes at all costs, then uh, there is a greater propensity toward um toward evolution. There's a greater propensity toward toward civil um you know uh just more highly evolved uh behavior is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Now that that might sound I mean people tell me this all the time that I'm I, I'm self-righteous. I, I sound stuck up. I think I'm better than everybody else. I'm, I think uh, because I use big words. I because I'm a writer. <laughs> yeah. I, I constantly get told that I'm, you know. But then I just think, well, just because you don't understand the words I'm using, or you can't comprehend what I'm saying, or because my focus is on a, on a higher ideal, that doesn't mean that I don't recognize my own faults and failures. That doesn't mean I don't recognize um, my own shortcomings. I do, and and I'm not gonna beat myself up and hate myself like I used to as a Christian, which is another, another whole reason why to get away from the Abrahamic face because it induces guilt, self-condemnation. It, it promotes um, self-hatred and, and this yeah. unrealistic in, uh, an imbalance. It creates an imbalance because your expectations yeah. of yourself and, and your ideals are so far removed from, um, from, what, is, um, from what is practical uh, and reasonable. So the point is I can accept myself and I know that life is a process, that everything yeah. in life is growing and changing and shifting and evolving. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. Yeah. I, my, cat, my cat just sliced my finger yesterday. <laughs> you think I would learn. You think – you see the scar? I don't even see it. Oh, uh, yeah, I see it. Uh, you think I would learn <laughs> because he, he won't let me cut his nails. And, um, and he's, he's such a little pain in the ass. He, he puts his little paw under the door, and I play with him, you know, like I bat his finger. You think I would have learned because I have like 100 scratches and scars on me, but I don't freaking learn, and I still play with him, and he slices my finger open, and I'm bleeding. And it's like one day I'll learn, <laughs> you know, but for whatever reason, uh, I, I, I relish playing with him, you know, playing with him more than like my own safety. But if I was smart, I would I would finally get the message and just strap him down and cut his nails, you know, yeah. so he doesn't keep slicing me up. But the point is, we learn every day, and we're not the same person that we were. We're not the same person we were ten minutes ago. We're not the same person we were, you know, uh, a few hours ago, a year ago. Uh, so we're always growing, we're always shifting and evolving. On a cellular level, we're not the same organism that we were you know, seven to 10 years yeah. ago. Like everything yeah. is, is regrown and regenerated. So the point of this, again, let biology, let biology dictate your ethics and your philosophy. So if I'm growing and if I'm, 
if I'm on, on this path, this trajectory of, of evolution, I don't have to hate myself. I can forgive myself. I can forgive others because it's a journey. It's a process. And, and we're all moving. And we're, we can only do what we're capable of doing. We can only do um, what we have the ability to do. You know, so yeah. well, uh, I want to get that, that eliminates hate. That eliminates hate. That eliminates uh, vengeance. And and um, of course, we'll still react. Our first reaction will be, but we can learn to control those things. We can learn to subdue it. We can learn to to use reason and logic, and we can we can balance it out. You know, we can, we can yeah. make choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With with our as our education increases, as our as our knowledge level uh, grows. Yeah, but I want to get back to the point I was trying to make earlier, and you kind of went off on this long rant. Um, but see, Sorry, I don't bro. blame you. I don't blame you because you had no choice, no free will. Remember? Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see, here's the deal. The point that I was trying to make earlier is that rather than taking credit and bragging about how forgiving I am or how moral I am for for forgiving someone, I realized that yes, if I had had their genetics and experiences up to the present moment. I would be doing exactly what happens. And then here's what happens. Now, not everyone can do this, Paso. I will admit, not everyone can do this. They don't have the biological makeup I do to enable them to do this. But what happens for me in that moment, and I know this is going to sound like really creepy to our audience, but all of a sudden, I imagine myself as that person, realizing, oh, I'm, I'm that person, and I, and I have to do this because I'm just doing what I know. I'm doing my biological imperatives, what I've been taught. And all of a sudden, I become that person and think, well, how do I want Chandler Klebs to treat me when I did this thing to him? And then all of a sudden, I back before I know, I'm Chandler Klebs again, and I'm thinking, how do I treat this person? It's beautiful. That's that's Chandler. That's pantheism. You are recognizing our essential oneness, the monism of of the experience of of existence itself, the monism of the universe. Um, that we are all literally one being just at different points on the journey and in different places um, subject to, um, you know, to, to different experiences that we have. Um, and this gets into something. I'm trying to kind of make these points to, 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 uh, leave, a, to leave a pathway sort of for, for Peter because he believes that the use of atheogens, hallucinogenics, DMT, um, uh, definitely uh, cannabis and, uh, you know, uh, mushrooms, um, acid, whatever, LSD. Um, he believes, as the shamans did, you know, smoking peyote and things like that, that this kind of – what you're talking about is the non-duality of existence, the pantheists we all recognize. And what, you're and what I'm saying is some believe, like Peter, believe that drug use, um, atheogens, he would call them, can allow for that because it, it, it breaks down the wall, the barrier where you no longer see yourself as an individual and you actually, you actually literally experience everything as being connected. You actually literally feel one with the chair and the wall, you know, and the water bottle and the cat and you know, yourself and your hat and your clothes. You, you all of a sudden you lose that sense of, of differentiated um, distinction. So, He's he his um he's a proponent of uh of sort of not recreational drug use but drug use for the expansion of consciousness and I am not <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll tell you why <clears throat> because I don't believe that the majority of the population have that intention in mind I think it's a, it's a very select few that that use that use um 
psychedelic drugs in that way. I, I'm not saying that it's not possible. If, if you were to learn about my history, that's actually how I became a really spiritual person was uh, tripping acid when I was 16. Um, and I quit doing drugs and everything, but I just have a very, I have a very strong ethic when it comes to that, that I feel like it's too easy to allow it to become a crutch to, uh, to abuse the body. I, I think it's a shortcut. Um, it can, it can be a way to experience divine oneness, but I don't think it's necessary. And I think that we should focus, and this is a huge important point uh, with me. We should focus on an astute, uh, mindful awareness of, of being in the present moment um, and, and the reality that we were born into. We're not born needing drugs and alcohol and all these different things. We're born you know, with, our, with our senses. I would say our five senses. We have more than five senses. But I would say we're born with our senses uh, perceiving things as they do. Um, and, and that's what we should rely upon is what I'm trying to say is not yeah. this, this heightened, amplified version of reality, which becomes very confusing and it can distort everything and you can come back believing in, in spirit guides and that angels are talking to you and, and that there are other <laughs> transcendent realms and dimensions. And none of this is helpful because we live in the real world. This is what we're born in. This is what we need to focus on. So I, yeah, I go, well, back, I go I, back to naturalism. Naturalism yeah. is my is yeah, well, as I just said, you know, I just explained how I do experience the monism. I do right. experience the oneness where I literally identify as being that other person and then treat that person the way that they want to be treated based on how I perceive them. You know, and it's hard to always do that when you're like really upset and emotional. Sure. But for me personally, now I'm not saying this works for everyone because I, I don't think everyone gets it. But for me understanding determinism and understanding psychology and biology in general has enabled me to have this view. So this view flows not from drug use. It right. flows from this education about the causes of human behavior, which it, which in a sense is, has been my road to having the oneness that we're all one. It has enabled that. Whereas without that, I don't think that I personally would have been able to see it. So this gets into uh, what is the most efficient what is the most proficient way to bring about this, these higher states of consciousness, this, this higher awareness, which will inevitably, um, you know, uh, subsequently lead to ethics and morality and, and a shared altruistic biocentric attitude. Like what is the most efficient way? Um, it's, I think it's gotta be a combination of things. Yeah. But on my end, I'm going to work on trying to teach and promote a philosophy that recognizes this, that, that, that a worldview that, um, that highlights this and emphasizes this as a religion, as a form of, of, uh, of religion, not a form of worship, but having a religious attitude toward nature, you know, honor and respecting and, and, and really trying to, um, trying to recognize uh, the truth of, of reality, like, like the interconnectedness, the interdependency, um, the beauty, the ugliness, the horror, the struggle, yeah. the pleasure, you know, and the joy. It's all, it's just a big mix. And I think that the healthiest thing to do is not escape um, and not like, you know, not, not try to find, um, not use placebos on any level, whether it's drugs or religions. We should, placebos, they, they work. Uh, it's a real phenomenon, but like when it really comes down to it, um, they're not they're not as influential as uh, 
as embracing the truth, I believe. So Yeah, I, I feel like one of the problems with major world religion is they're so large and that you just have hordes and hordes of people listening to religious leaders teach them a philosophy which they may or may not understand. And Pafo, it's important for you and Peter and I and everyone to make sure that the public is understanding us. And see, that's just it, is that I have to see how you react and my other co-hosts react um, to the stuff I say. Because if I'm not making sense to you guys, then for sure I don't make sense to the rest of the public because the rest of the public does not have the altered state of consciousness that I live with every day. They don't have the monism the same way I experience it. But right. so it's important. So as far as what's the best way, what's mo the most efficient way to lead everyone to a, a life-centered worldview is, well, I'm going to say, yeah, it will be a combination of things because what works for one person doesn't always work for right, another. Right, because we're all different. Yeah, we're all, we're all our, our emphasis, yeah. our priorities, our focus, our personalities. Um, so th this is what, and this is why it might actually be really interesting and enjoyable to see me and Peter going at it because we are, we are juxtaposed, but at the same time, I, I respect him and I see him as a brother. Like we, we, we literally have the same goals, the same biocentric attitude, and yet we're just coming at it from different directions. Um, and he is much more receptive uh, to the ideas that I sort of intuitively reject because of the consequences um, of the of the, uh, the the propagation of those. Um, I'm not, obviously, I'm talking about religion, religions, and uh, you know, religious belief systems. So. Um, I, I, I want to start over, man. I don't, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to go back and say the Eastern traditions are the best and, and you know, the Hinduism and, or, or there, was a, there was a sect of Christians that, you know, the Gnostics, um, you know, pre-Marconian and, and pre-Constantine that, that had it right. And if we could just look at things the way they did or, or even this, this perennial uh, concept that I'll let him explain it to you, but this idea that Aldous Huxley set forth and uh, – I believe they took a little too much from from um, Joseph Campbell. I, th I, th I think they take his words too literally. But these sort of mystical pantheists that I'm talking about, who um, <clears throat> believe there's a divine ground of being that literally influences and inspires all the world's religions and all the mystical experiences. They're all sort of they're all true on a certain level because they're tapping into something. And what I'm saying is, of course, they're all true on a certain level. Because they're all human experiences. There's the, that's what unites them all is is the the universality of it. Is that a word? Universality of it is now. Is, is the, the the universal aspect of it is that it's human beings that are experiencing these things. Human beings are searching for answers and truth and meaning and purpose. Human beings are are uh, looking you know for uh, for guidance and inspiration and hope and fulfillment and comfort and security. That's what makes them all. That's what they all have in common. Not the doctrines, not not the revelations, not the holy books, not the rituals. These are all ways of, of trying to connect with with what is transcendent, with what is beyond. Um, but they're not necessarily uh, accurate or, or right. But this is this is my contention. So I would say, let go of all that. Don't even mention Christianity. Don't even mention <clears throat> Hinduism. Don't even mention Buddhism. Let go of the of the pagan notions of, of gods and goddesses and, um, and these these personified characters, which I think are all beautiful as as metaphors, and I love the pagan aesthetic. Um, but 
let's start from what we know. Let's let's create a religion based on reality, based on on science and observation and what we know and what and what is applicable uh, now as modern as a modern species that's evolved to this level of, of intelligence. It makes absolutely no sense. You want to connect with something older than you? The universe is older than you. You want to connect with something greater than you? The laws of nature are greater than you. You want to yeah. like have a ritual well mark the, the passing of the seasons and, and note the, the solstices and equinoxes like like the pagans did but also uh, have a, a, a you know a modernistic uh, interpretation of it and and you know recognize the the miraculousness of, of your own body so yeah. these things this is the shift you know away from from um, from traditional you know conventional religions um, and even alternative religions like the new age I, I love the new age movement for what it represents yeah, at the same time, it's filled with so much, uh, such a hodgepodge of, of, of you know Eastern philosophies and this yeah. New Age mysticism, a, a combination of um, you know quantum physics language with with Eastern traditions, um, uh, transcendental meditation. It's it's just, but the movement itself helps people get away from organized religion. It is a do-it-yourself philosophy. It, it it involves a lot of pantheism. It involves a lot of pantheistic ideas. So it's very important. You know, so I so I I embrace it, but I'm not going to call myself New Age, and I'm gonna yeah. and I'm gonna obviously I'm gonna reject. Let's see, uh, you know, uh, the tarot tarot card readings. Maybe there's something to it, but I'm not going to promote or support it. Uh, you know, channeling and, and 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 speaking to your spirit guides, and and I'm all about the shifting consciousness. I'm all about you know moving to these higher higher planes of consciousness in a naturalistic sense. You see, so I mean, I, I draw from all these, but um. I'm not going to identify myself with it. I, I believe the Biopan should be a uniquely American, English-speaking <laughs> uh, movement, you know, based on modern uh, Western science that that draws from all these sources and recognizes them, but also recognizes their failures and their faults and their flaws. Yeah. Now I have some things I wanted to say about that, but we've been going for two hours about so far. And so I want to yeah. end the broadcast, but Pafo don't go anywhere because I still sure. want to talk to you about some things um, after this. Sure. So, so how about, yeah, I'm going to stop the broadcast, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to really share uh, everywhere like this, this talk that we just did, because this has been really good. We've, <laughs> oh man, it's been so good. Yeah. So great. I'm glad I could, okay. uh, <laughs> I'm glad I could, um, you know, contribute. Okay. I'm going to stop it now. Bye-bye everybody. All right. Take care.